Welcome to the New Mercies Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Caldwell. This is episode number 157, and we are in a series right now in the book of Galatians. Today, we are going to be looking at Galatians 5, verses 1 through 12. Just want to read a couple of these verses to you, walk through what Paul is telling the churches of Galatia to get you caught up. Uh, Just before this, if you listened yesterday, Paul teaches allegorically from the story of Sarah and Hagar when Abraham had two sons, and he was talking about the difference in those sons and how we who believe in Jesus by faith are born of the free woman, not of the slave woman. And then in chapter 5, just immediately following, remember he wrote this letter. He didn't separate it in chapters and verses. He wrote this letter to these churches. So this is a continued thought. So he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's saying, listen, Jesus came to set you free from the slavery that you were under, from the law that gave you slavery Jesus came to give you salvation. He came to free you. You no longer have to live under the burden that you can't be good enough. Then he addresses the real issue. He says, look, I, Paul, this is verse number two of chapter five, I, Paul, meaning, listen, nobody's speaking for me. This is me, directly from me to you, the one who led you to Christ, the one who showed you the gospel for the very first time. I'm the one talking to you, me, Paul, I say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, this was a big deal in the new church, in the church of Galatia. The false teachers had come in and they began to say things like, yes, trust in Jesus, but also the law was given to us from God. So God gave us the law. So we need to follow the law. God also gave us Jesus. So we need to follow Jesus. Well, the problem with this is these two things didn't go together. So circumcision was put together with the covenant between Abraham and God. God said, I want this to be a sign. These people that are circumcised will be identified then with the people of Israel, with the people of God. So I want you to do this with all the men in the nation. And so that was what happened with Abraham. Now, at this point, that was a symbol that God had instructed the people of Israel to do. Now we're to the New Testament. Jesus came and freed us from all the law. The problem was the false teachers came in and said, you still have to do that. You've still got to follow that ritual. You've still got to follow that routine, that tradition, because that is given to us by God to identify us with God. And so what Paul is saying here, he's addressing this saying, listen, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. He's saying this, circumcision and the gospel represent opposite principles. You can't get to heaven on a principle of trying or doing something and a principle of trusting and believing something. That's two polar opposite things. He says circumcision is something you can go through and you can make a decision to do. Trusting in Jesus is not something you are performing. It's something that you just believe in and you trust in. He's saying these two are different principles. He goes on. He says again, I testify again to you in verse number three, every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. What he's saying is you can't pick and choose. If you want the law, you get all of it. If you want grace, you get all that. So you've either got to keep the whole law or you've got to give your whole self to the grace and mercy of Jesus. 
Because he says in verse number four, you're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. He's saying, if you can be justified by the law, you have been cut away from Jesus. Jesus died for nothing at that point. Down in verse number seven, he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. And verse number nine says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This scripture is something that I want to refer back to. We did a series in this podcast in the book of First John. And if you remember, I talked about just that generation of believers it was written to. And this is kind of where this came from. So I began to understand something wildly important for us to know. Every single movement of God has about two good generations and then a third generation that needs a, needs a fresh encounter. So typically what that means is they're a first-generation believer, someone who has accepted Jesus, and they're a first-generation believer. They're getting this for the first time. They didn't just grow up in the house and uh, hear this from parents, hear this from grandparents. This is a first-generation believer. They typically have incredibly deep convictions, and those convictions, I mean, they'll die for. They will say, I will never, ever, ever turn away from these convictions. Then you have the second generation of believers, those who kind of came behind that first generation. And that second generation, their convictions of the first generation are beliefs in the second generation. So my dad, for instance, was saved at a big youth rally. He had the gospel. It changed his life. It was radical. It was amazing. It was awesome. He held convictions that were so, so, so strong. And so I grew up in a Christian's home. I grew up in a pastor's home. And honestly, the convictions that my dad had are more of beliefs for me. I believe in these things. But those convictions, if, if I'm not careful, I can let my beliefs kind of go back and forth and not stand firm in those beliefs because I've grown up with it. I'm taking it for granted is what that means. And then there's a third generation of believers. That third generation is best defined. So you've got the convictions from the first generation. You've got beliefs in the second generation. And the third generation of believers typically just have opinions. And those opinions are up for grabs. So what I've seen throughout church history is that throughout the generations of believers, you typically need a new fresh encounter before it gets too diluted. So you need a new, fresh encounter of God, a new wave of the Holy Spirit of God to come in and awaken the hearts of the believers so that it's fresh again, so that there's conviction again, so you don't stray away from the truth again. This is where that comes from. He says to the Galatian church, you were running so well. Like, what happened to the convictions that you had? What hinders you now from obeying the truth that absolute conviction truth that's in you, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. God's not persuading you to think differently about the truth. And then it says in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, meaning this, a little bit of this false teaching that comes in ruins everything. It can take down this whole movement. It can take down this whole beautiful thing that God has been building. He goes on and says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish, verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. What, he, what that word means, emasculate, is I wish that person would cut themselves off 
would amputate is the base word of that, would amputate themselves from the body, would just remove themselves altogether. Those who are unsettling you, those who are trying to persuade you, who are turning the convictions or the beliefs into opinions and changing your heart in the matter, I pray that their number one thing, I wish that they would just amputate themselves away from you because it's harming the whole body. Today, my encouragement to you is stand firm in those convictions that God has called you to. God has freed you for freedom. Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Let's reverse the order. Let's go from instead of convictions to beliefs to then opinions, let's move our opinions into those beliefs that we can trust with all our heart and that then we can eventually be able to stand firm and die for. The world needs Jesus. The world needs freedom from slavery. The world needs freedom from that yoke of the, that the law puts on us. And we, the church, are the ones to share that good news. 